Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro from TSN. I'm Steve Mathis. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Ferraro is back on this thing, and we're stoked. We're going to be doing weekly shows. Subscribe on iTunes under Pulp Hockey. Get it on any, any podcatcher if you've got a Droid platform. Uh, Stitcher app on your phone is also very popular. People like that. And also PulpHockey.com. you got a question, we'll try to use it uh, each and every week. Email uh, info at PulpHockey.com. And the best ones will make it on the air. And uh, we thank TSN for letting uh, Ray come on the show. And uh, like we said, we're going to be doing weekly shows. So we're stoked. Uh, listener feedback last week was good. We're going to keep these things going. So, again, uh, thanks to everybody uh, for doing it. Two under, the best men's underwear out there. The Ferraro 20 is the code to save at twounder.com. The number two, UNDR.com. A lot of NHL players are running two under as well as, well as R.A. Dickey, now of the Atlanta Braves. He runs two under. Uh, so, all right. Uh, hey, Ray, uh, thanks for coming on again. And, uh, yeah, week one went well, except for the Wendell Clark Hall of Fame debate that got people upset on Twitter. Well, I think people, as they start to listen to this, will realize you have one ridiculous leaf comment per show. <laughs> right, right. And with all due respect for Wendell, to Wendell, um, oh, that he, would be one. He was great. Um, There's no denying that. Right, right. Um, all right, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for uh, coming on. Let's get into this. Um, I guess, first of all, look, uh, John Tortorella, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, he's been the source of a few punchlines over the years. I don't quite get it. Uh, you know, he, he's won a cup, which is great. Uh, that means something. But I didn't quite get what I should say what I don't quite get. I don't quite quit, get why Columbus hired him. And then he goes to k- coach Team USA at the World Cup, and that's a disaster. He makes that dumb comment about if somebody didn't stand for the anthem, and uh, although he, he likes dogs and he rescues dogs, which which I do as well, so I like that part of him. But maybe Ray, just maybe we owe uh, John Tortorella an apology here. Columbus is at eight one and one. They're in a wild card spot. Uh, they just won- beat Capitals the other day. Um, obviously, the ten nothing blowout uh, skews their goals uh, uh, different goal differential, but it's really good. And I don't know if they'll keep this up, but. Torts is doing a good job. He's he's done a, a phenomenal job. And, you know, if you go back to the start of the year, I mean, they got pumped their first two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost to Boston and San Jose. Um, you know, they it, it was pretty easy for everybody to look and go, oh, yeah, see, coming off this World Cup, Tortorella's lost it. He doesn't. You know, he can't connect with this team. He can't mm-hmm. connect with his Blue Jackets team. Um, every year, it seems, in Columbus, there is some relatively decent hopes. You know, not, I won't mm-hmm. say high hopes, but there's decent hopes that, hey, maybe this is a pretty decent team. Uh, uh, maybe it's a team that can hang around the playoff race. And then for the last few years, outside of the one playoff year, they get decimated with injuries. Their goaltending goes south. Like, it's, it's always something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it 
to me, it's disappointing because I think Columbus can be a really good hockey market. I really do. Um, it's a, you know, it's not very far from uh, uh, from Ohio State, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so you got a boatload of young people that might become fans if you give them something to cheer about. Um, it's a cool arena in a really neat little downtown package. Like, if the team can just be competitive. I, I think they got something that they might be able to build on. But from the very first day when they became a franchise, almost every corner they shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> right. And it, it's just, it's remarkable. So you go back, they hire Tortorella. Um, you know, it did, it did seem in, uh, like an odd hire given the way that yep. his Vancouver tenure just exploded on him. You know, that, that was just, that was just a mess. But he did get away from the game for a bit, which I think, Steve, is really important to note because, <clears throat> excuse me, is that he left the Rangers, got fired, took the Canucks job immediately. Mm-hmm. And it almost seemed like he was not quite connected to the job, like he wasn't quite invested. And, you know, I know John a little bit from uh, working with him at TSN and whatever critique you might have of John, not being invested was never one of them. <laughs> right, right. Right? It just, but it just seemed like it wasn't right for him. And so he eventually gets fired. He goes to Columbus, or he does nothing until they fire Todd Richards. And it wasn't that long a time, but it was enough yep. that he got away. And, I mean, he's never going to change. He's going to be a hard-pushing SOB to play for it sometimes. Um He's going to he's going to demand things that are going to be hard for the players at times to to get their heads around. But the one thing is he really doesn't particularly care about much except trying to win. Mm-hmm. And so when when he's when he's pushing this team and they're pretty young, like even though they've got some veteran players, you know they've their defense is extremely young. Seth Jones is on IR. Um, they got a, a young 22-year-old Finnish kid, Marcus Nudavari, who's done a really good job, and Zach Warensky, who might be the, the most underrated of the yeah, young rookies, for sure. having a fabulous year. All of a sudden, they're aggressive. They, they play hard. They make teams uncomfortable. Uh, Bobrovsky, who's down about 15 pounds from last year, he thought that this might help with his, uh, um, with his perennial goal, groin injuries yeah. that – that he deals with every year. Well, that's, uh, that's not been the case. I mean, they're, they want seven straight at home. Their power play, which I don't think anybody ever says, hey, Columbus has got a great power play. Yeah, right. Man, their power play has been awesome. It's been awesome for them. And they, I think, you know, you mentioned they're in a wild card spot. Hell, Steve, I think they're, they're becoming a story around the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree, and that's why I wanted to talk about him. I, I kind of caught a few of their games lately. Sam Gagne uh, scored. It's time for the team leading in goals. He was almost out of the league, you know. After I think he washed yeah. out in Philly, right? Last yeah, last he was in Philly, Philly last right. year. And, but you know what, um, Sam Sam would be a great example of a young guy that came to the league. They kept him in Edmonton as an 18 year old. He had a little bit of success. Mm-hmm. He's a really tricky player, you know, like yeah. really great hands. Yep. But then, because they were in this quagmire in Edmonton, they kept adding more 18-year-olds and kept getting the snot kicked out of them. And Sam lost his way, and then he kind of bounced all over the place. And yeah, He's an awesome kid. He's really a terrific kid. And so 
he basically signed the one deal that was available to him, and, yeah. and that was a one-year deal in Columbus. And I would bet it was probably two-way, I would think. I uh, know. You know what? I think it's a low one-way. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. It is. I was thinking like and, yeah. um Yet he's made the team out of camp, mm-hmm. you know, pushed his way on, and then has given them, as you mentioned, given them amazing production so far. And so now they're, they're sitting there. They got, uh, what's that, 20 points in their last 13 games. Yeah. And in the NHL, that's, that's pretty tough to beat. Yeah. Um, I feel like Tortorella, again, he got the cup, and that says something to me. That means something. That's definitely some, some uh, uh, currency. Yeah, but that's 2004. I know, but don't you feel like, like that's... That's like saying, you know, like, look, I went to the Little League World Series in 1976, <laughs> but eventually right. it doesn't, you know... I guess. I mean, it's still there, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Like, I feel like Torts' sideshows with Larry Brooks in New York, he's going after uh, the, the dressing room in, in, uh, in Vancouver. I feel like he's a media punching bag a little bit, but maybe at the end of the day, this guy is a good coach. Yeah, Vancouver blew up on him, but Rangers were good. Tampa was good. This is starting out to be okay. I feel like the media, maybe that's you, Ray, the media is really hard on Torts. No, I, I think the problem is, quite frankly, is Torts puts himself into terrible positions. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so he doesn't like the question Larry Brooks um, asks day after day. Mm-hmm. There's a different way to answer it, to diffuse the spot. Yeah. Instead of, you know, trying to punch him back. Well, the problem is, as... I know as as a player and now the media is you can't win. Okay, so he tells he tells Larry Brooks to go stuff his hat. Right. And so the next day Brooks comes back and asks him another question. Like you can't right. make him go away. <laughs> yeah, true. Right? Yeah. It, it, you just so John puts himself into these positions by some of the things he says, which that's where I think, you know, he doesn't have an off switch. Mhm. And if he did, a lot of this stuff would have would have gone away, and it wouldn't have been really important because he wouldn't have gotten into that that crap with Larry with Larry Brooks in in New York. Which, who by the way, he and Tortorella um, they don't hate each other; they respect what they do. Mm-hmm. They just it became a sideshow. You're yeah, right; it was, yeah. that's exactly what it was. And then the, I don't know what the hell he was doing running into the hallway and <laughs> you know in Vancouver. I mean, like. He went around the other side there, and, you know, I mean, what was he going to do if he got into the room? I don't know. Like, it was probably Wasn't McGratton on the team? Wasn't McGratton on the team still? I think- yeah, McGr- <laughs> you know, like, McGratton actually, uh, Brian McGratton was the guy that kind of diffused everything. If McGratton had decided <laughs> right. to go crazy, he would have he used John like a hammer. Right. You know, um, I mean, that would have turned out really badly. I just think the guy, like Ken Hitchcock, is a good coach, you know? That's it. That's he it. is, and they're yeah. both they're both they're both hard guys to yeah. play for because they don't ever yield an inch. Yeah, and they're I mean they're part of that that older guard, right? Yeah, and you know they've they all have a shelf life, right? Know. They all have a shelf life too. When you're an older yeah, but guy, I mean, like, right? Yeah, you know, Hitch won a cup in '99. Yeah, see, I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like, right, right, to right. be around that long, yeah, you've got. You can't be. You can be a real hard ass to play for, but you have to be smart and you have to be adjustable and adaptable to be able to coach as long as as both Hitchcock and Tortorella have. Right. 
Um, let's move on. Uh, my hometown Winnipeg Jets, this Jacob Truba thing. We know it got done. Um, interesting that I've read and heard different people say that that two-year deal, that for much lower than what he's probably worth, he's probably worth more like a, uh, a 4.5, 5 million deal a year. He was much lower what he signed, a two-year deal. I've heard it sw- sung both ways, Ray, that this is a perfect contract to trade him. This is a, a, everyone can take his cap hit. He's easy to move, and now uh, uh, Day off in Winnipeg will move him. And then I've heard people say, no way. There's no way he's going to move. He signed. He's on the team. It's a great deal for the Jets. He must have agreed that he could put up with Winnipeg for two years, and he'll never get dealt. Where are you at on Jacob Truba? Well, initially, my first thought when I saw the deal, I thought, well, this is, this is you know, the prelude to a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the cap hit, because of the certainty of two years, um, because there is um, a real uh, a real look to or a real higher bar to what people think Truba might be be able to be, you know that he's not going to be a third pair defenseman. He's already a top four. Can he play in your top pair? And the the debate on that is whether he has enough vision to be a top two defensemen mm-hmm. um, with his ability to move the puck or has he got a little bit of tunnel vision. That's, that's really the only knock on Truba. So my initial thought was that, you know, like this Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be able to, to flip Truba mm-hmm. into something that they like. Well, the problem is what they would need is a left shot top 4D. And there's not very many of those that would possibly be available. And so if you're Cheval Day off, the cap hit, which makes him easier to trade, yep. also makes him easier to keep. And I have to take, until I'm proven wrong, I guess, or until we're all proven wrong, you mm-hmm. have to take Truba at his word that was, you know, I'm, I'm here in Winnipeg and, you know, what was said was said, but I, I want to be here and I'm happy to be here. And, and I, I guess you have, you know, if, unless you're completely cynical, which is obviously very possible, <laughs> right? Um, which you've been you know, a time you, or two, Ray. You're, you're a cynical guy. Yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know how you demand a trade and say it was because I wanted to play on the right side, <laughs> right? And then say, okay, none of that matters. I'll play on the left side, and I don't really want to trade, right? You know, like that. That is a little bit of a, a conflict in my brain about how I right. how I think that could go, and I think. And I think it's probably ongoing, but the fact that Winnipeg wants a ready-made top four back, and they should demand that, by mm-hmm. the way, yep. that makes the deal really difficult to, to consummate because basically now your, your market is a team that has too many left-shot defensemen that is looking for a right-shot defenseman who is a top four, and they have a top four to give. Like, that's a pretty narrow right. shopping window. Right. It's like asking somebody to take the Sedins on. Okay, so you need, you know, $16 million in cap room, we need, we, and we have a center and a winger. And you have to take back a huge chunk of change right. to make the, the cap balance. Right. Like, the shopping, you know, the store that you're shopping at is, mm-hmm. is got a half of one aisle. Like, that's all it's got. Do you? And that's what, that's what Winnipeg would have if they're trying to deal Truba, because he is a good player. He's, heck, he's 22 years old. You know, you're not giving him away. Mm-hmm. You're not, 
so disgruntled with him. Heck, he was behind Bufflin. I think he was the second most minutes of any defenseman last year in Detroit right. or in, in uh, Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, I mean, you know, you look at Detroit. Of course, they would be a team that would be interested. I would have thought Boston at the start of the year, mm-hmm. although they're just rolling along right now. And so, who's who's got the player that would interest Winnipeg right now? Probably nobody. You've been in the rooms for 18 years. Um, I, I imagine you've had. I don't think. Did you ever demand a trade, Ray? I, I can't no. remember any controversy. No, I demanded to stay. <laughs> I need to stay at the Thrashers. I would. Yeah, I, I need to stay in the league. Is what I would often but say. Do you think uh, if you're in the room and this kid? I mean, let's face it. He's a kid. He's two years in, three years in. Um, this kid said, hey, I, I want out of this city, which is basically what it all boiled down to. I don't care what anybody says. I don't like the city, or I don't like this dressing room. I don't like anything about Winnipeg. And now um, you come back in, and you're just like, ah, it's cool. How do you, how do you act towards this kid? Do you, do you just accept him? Is it all cool? Does the captain call everybody together? What happens? Well, no, I don't, I don't think there's any grand meeting. Um, maybe Blake Wheeler, who's the captain, might have said before he got there, Hey, look, man, he's back, and he's just one of us. Like, that's it. Yep. You know, there's no, there's no big discussion to have. And if he comes back and plays hard and, um, you know, and does a good job for yep. you and isn't bitching and complaining, then nobody cares. Yeah, it's helping us win, because, right, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's not – I don't know if people quite understand the dynamic in a locker room. You don't always – get along with everybody in there. You know, there's 23 guys. What are the chances that 23 random guys are going to get together and everybody's going to like them like right, each other? Right. It just it just doesn't happen. So when you hear about a a team with clicks, the problem becomes when five guys really don't like four other guys and three guys don't like these other four guys. Mm-hmm. Then everybody goes their own way all the time. The teams that are the best even if you don't particularly get along with a guy, if he's at breakfast and he's sitting there with two other guys, you go sit down anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. Right. You know, like you just, he's just part of the group. You know, you're, he might not like you either. Who knows? <laughs> right? so, all this, so, yeah. you, so this media but, talk is, but, is overrated. This whole thing, this is all. Well, it's not, it, the, even the teams that have terrific chemistry, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee that there are players that don't want to go for dinner with other guys on the team. And that, to me, is it's common sense. As I said, there's mm-hmm. 23 guys. What are the chances you, you're buddies with all 22 of them? Even though you got all the same goals, or much of the same goals. Mm-hmm. It's just human nature is what it is. Um, talk, speaking more about Winnipeg in general, um, i got to say, we did a podcast when you just got back from the World Juniors, and... Me was talking about Austin Matthews a lot because, you know, he's the Leafs savior and everything else. I felt I was upset at you, Ray. Not really, but I was upset at you because you were going on about Patrick Laine, probably more than Austin Matthews. You love Austin Matthews. You think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be a star. Uh, right. But you, I felt you were more excited for Laine. And I, we're, we're two months in. You might be right, man. That kid is, uh, he's something else. And it's, it's really funny because. He's a Finnish kid. He's fast. He's got a shot. He's in Winnipeg. It's just like Timu all over, and I lived there for Timu back back in the day. Um, this guy, he's on his way to Rookie of the Year, although I didn't know this, Ray, but Matt Murray's eligible. 
Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, he didn't play enough. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought he did, but yeah, so, there's a there's a long way to go to rookie of the year. Like, yeah, I think you got to remember here for all the talk of Matthews hasn't scored in eleven or twelve games, whatever it is right now. I'm sure you know um, because you're you know yeah. Leaf tattooed. Yeah, but um, I think it's twelve. Yeah. You know, line A's just a couple of points in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's the, the rookie of the year is miles away. But line A is, I mean, Winnipeg can only hope he's anywhere near the persona and performer that, that Tamo was. I mean, he's just, just a remarkable person and player. Um, everybody sort of gravitated to Solani mm-hmm. when you were around him. But Liney's got a little bit of that, too. I, li- I like when he scores, how he spins his stick. Yep. Um, I like that he's got kind of that, he's got a smirk to him a lot of the times. I, I'm amused with how he does his interviews. Like, he, he gets the absurdity of a lot of it. Yep. yep. And, and he's just 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, the, the kid shoots the puck like very few. I mean, yeah. there's, Which, there's, yeah. there's just not, you know, you can do a lot of things unbelievably. Like Matthews has an, a terrific wrist shot. He shoots it in stride. It's really something to see. But when line A shoots, it's like a cannon. Mm-hmm. Whether it's his one-timer, whether it's his wrist shot, the thing is like, it, I don't even really know how to define heavy, but there's a look to a shot that is heavy. It, it sounds different. When it hits the goalie, there's a thud. Um, it's overpowering, and and Liney's got a lot of that. Now, he's, you know, he's on a team here right now that got crushed seven or eight injuries, and they've had a whole bunch of young kids doing a great job. They just have gone out on a three-game road trip, or first three games of a six-game trip. They lost five-two in Philly, and Liney was minus four. They lose four-one in Boston. They only had twelve shots. Mm-hmm. They lost last night, Sunday night in Carolina, three-one, and so you, you know, people have to remember, like he's eighteen, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's he's not gonna like, you can't just take the game over by himself. And the Jets, I think, a lot of their injuries are starting to catch up to them a little bit. The young guys can't play at the level you, they did for a little bit. They're gonna they're gonna fade away a bit, and that's probably where they're at. Your uh, your ex teammate's coming back though soon, Brian Little. You know what? I miss him. He's not that old. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I thought it was yeah, he's the not end. that old. Thankfully okay. for him. My, my bad. Um, that's, that's just uh, that's just old Thrasher, right. Thrasher stuff. Right. He's uh, he's back. Stafford's back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, within the next ten days or so, and um, that'll certainly help. Um, Mark Shifley is taking his game up to another level right now. Um, excellent, excellent player. Uh, strong. Um, you know, really can shoot the puck. His skating improved. Um, from you know, from the mm-hmm. time he was 18 when he came in, or 19 when he came into the league, and um, he's uh, he's he's also got that I don't know that swagger or that personality that looks like a number one center. I I like him a lot. They've got they've got lots to be excited about in Winnipeg. Um, what about their goaltending situation? I don't think Connor Hellebuck has taken the step forward that they thought he might. Uh, Pavlik's in the minors. Uh, Hutchison has been, you know, I think think any, I think everybody kind of thought he was just a, a good, solid player. Um, did they make? Do you see Pavlik coming back? I mean, I know you know carrying no, three goalies sucks, but okay. No, I don't. Um, uh, I think they're going to run these guys. I think that you'll see a little. You might see Eric Comrie this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that Winnipeg's done is because 
you know, maybe because of the size of market they have or the size of their um, internal budget, they just they don't go out and trade draft picks, and, you know, for mm-hmm. older players, and they haven't been in that type of spot in the in a playoff race where they've really had to make that decision very often. But so what they do is every year they draft seven players, and then some years they draft nine, and pretty soon you've got a whole boatload of young players, and Winnipeg has that in almost every position. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Hellebuck is a really good example about a young kid that came on or came into the scene and kind of was unknown to, to a lot of us, um, was terrific, played at the World Championships, was outstanding when the U.S. won a bronze medal. And I think there's this thought that it's just going to keep getting better and better and better, but that doesn't, that like, doesn't happen. Like Lonnie, you know, like, like you're saying, like you up, there's ups and downs. Yeah, there's going to be for sure. And right. for a goalie, now they build a book on him a little bit. It's different when you're the unknown playing a little bit here and there. Now they're asking him to, to carry much of the mail. And, and he's, been, he's been a real busy goaltender for, you know, for much mm-hmm. of November. I think he started seven out of eight. Uh, Hutchison played the other day in Boston when, um, you know, when they the, just, the, the, yeah, didn't they, show they, up. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, they had the wrong start time for the game. <laughs> they, they ended up with 12 shots in Boston. Um, so he's played, let's see, six of seven, um, eight of nine games, Hullabuck yep. has. And so, uh, I, but I don't expect, I mean, my guess is Pavlik's not back. Do you, okay, this kind of leads me to my next topic. So Pavlik's a respected veteran. He's put in some good uh, years, and he's a good goalie, but they, you know, basically put him in the minors and went with his kids, and, and I get that. And it kind of leads me to my next uh, topic a little bit because I want, I need to figure this out. Okay, so my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is, they may be the only guys I can think of that's doing this because the public situation isn't really like this, but it kind of is. Um, I don't understand. So Jared Cowan comes over from the Senators last year. He's got a hip issue. Uh, it's basically they have to take him on, right, uh, in the FNUF trade. Um, he gets back. He's healthy. At some point, he's healthy. Or they say he's healthy. Now, this is in dispute right now. There's a, there's a grievance going on. But they tell Jared Cowan when everybody said he's healthy, and it turns out he's, he wasn't, but at the point that they did, they tell Cowan, hey, just go home. Don't worry about it. Uh, Stefan Robidoff signed a three-year deal with uh, Dave Nonis and uh, played one year, wasn't very good, older guy, got hurt. And basically the new regime, Lou Lamorello, said, hey, just, you know, you're still hurt. Go to Quebec and, you know, we'll eat your eat your contract. Uh, they got Alex Stalock from the Sharks in the uh, James Reimer deal last year. He comes to the Leafs and go, they get sent to the AHL, and then the Leafs at some point tell him, hey, you're not, go home. We're going to go with Garrett Sparks uh, in the playoffs. And now right. we have Joffrey Lupul, who is only 32, I think. He's, uh, he got hurt, quote-unquote, hasn't been seen since. What, I, what I'm getting at, and even, and even, again, the public situation doesn't matter here. How is the PA not stepping up and being like, what is going on here? I would assume... With Robodaw, okay, he was done. He okay, probably wanted the, to be done. Okay, the, the, let me interrupt yeah, you here. Sure. For, for the answer to that, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. The, the, game, the last game Robodaw played was an exhibition game. He played 17 or 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he was gone. <laughs> right. And, and not, only, not only gone, but nobody heard from him again. 
you know, he's not been around the team. He's not been around Toronto. Um, Joffrey Lupel gave a, a statement um, in the, um, at the end of training camp saying, you know, or at the start of camp, I believe, um, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not ready to play. I'd like to play. Well, a week before, Nazem Kadri had said something to the effect of, you know, Lupel is, hey, he looks good. I know yeah. he wants to play. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. Right. And so I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You can say from the PA, that's one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the other teams look <laughs> past. Sure. It. Right. You know, like it's like <laughs> there's, there is a thought of like, where are these guys? <laughs> are they in the witness protection program? Yeah. They're just gone. Like. And I don't get it. I mean, I, yeah. I, Steve, I wish I had a better answer. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to. You're supposed um, to know everything on this podcast. Right? Well, yeah, but here's the problem: you you ask somebody, and they say, and nobody knows. the The answer is they're just not playing. Like, the Cowan, the the reason the Cowan thing went to arbitration, two reasons. One is that uh, there's cap consequences. If if he can't play, they can put him on long term mm-hmm. uh, injury, mm-hmm. and he doesn't count against the cap. If he does, if if he's deemed okay to play, well, then he's got to be yeah. on the cap. And Cowan wants to play. From from what I understand, well, I, I, he wants to play. Yeah, he's still young, right. Even he's Lupo. 25. Right, even Lupo. Like, Lupo's 32, and yeah, he's super injury prone. He's still a useful NHL player. I assume he wants to play. But so for $5 million <laughs> bucks, right. do they tell? do they say to him, well, you're not going to play here, so... You're on long-term injury, and you go home and collect your money, because he is getting paid. Yes, of course. Yeah. But he sure as hell not. He sure as hell not playing. I, I don't under. I mean, obviously, this is all done with these players' blessings. I don't. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I. <laughs> Nobody knows. But I, I no, no. It's like I, I guess they do, or else somebody would. Someone would be freaking out. Like you're denying a guy the right. Like okay, like they can say to Lupo, look, I think he's got a no move. He can't even go to the A. So they could say, Lupo, look, you are being a healthy scratch every every single game, but that's his right. Like, okay, I still get to practice with the team. I still get to stay sharp. My con- when my contract's up, I can, um, you know, go to another team, hopefully. Or okay, but I'll take this even a, a step okay. further. So, so the, the things that are being that that Toronto's doing, I just don't quite, I don't quite understand on several levels. Like another one is that. Uh, Kari Ramo is practicing with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. He's got a stall in the locker room. He's not on the team. He's not signed. He's actually got a stall. I didn't know that. I didn't know how that was going. Right. And so I guess so he doesn't have to lug his gear around and they've yeah, got yeah. an extra stall or two. But right. my point is, can you just – and Brandon Prust, Prust is practicing <laughs> right. with him. Yes, Prust. Like, can you just have open practices? I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know. I've never even heard of this before. Grab your skates, Ferraro. Okay. No, I don't want to practice. <laughs> God, they would, they'd be like, what's this old guy doing out here? Man, I can't. The, the crazy part is, it doesn't, I don't know of any other team doing no. it. I don't know how you tell Staylock and Jared Cowan, go away. You're healthy. Go away. This is last year. Um, you know, well, they, when, they, when they acquired Staylock at the end of the year, they had... As it turned out, they had about five or six goalies mm-hmm. um, because guys started getting healthy, and um, and so they were going into the playoffs, and and they wanted they wanted their young guys Sparks and Bebo to mm-hmm. play, and I and I believe that Bebo or I'm sorry Sparks played most of the games, so I I believe the 
the thought was, um, you know, like we, there's only so much practice time. There's only, yeah, you're not going to play. There's only two nets, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you might as, and it's in the playoffs when nobody practices anyway because you're playing like every second day. And so they just said, you know, you can do what you want, but you're not going to play. Yeah. And so, like every other human, they're like, well, wait a minute. Because <laughs> you don't get paid, by the way, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, right, yeah. You know, you, you get paid. This is always a, a hard thing to explain. You get paid when you lose. Right, so, right. <laughs> like the, the time you get paid is you get paid a loser's share. The only winners that ever get paid in the playoffs are the guys that win the championship. Right. And so Staylock was obviously told, look, you're not going to play. So yeah, it's do what you want. And the whole and thing, he went home. I get Robodaw because he was older. He was 38, 39, broken leg. Well, see, but I don't. Oh, okay. Because he played 18 minutes. He, like, right. How, how could he have been so injured? No, no, no. Right? I'm saying like he was probably like, look, I, I've lost my passion. Are you still going to pay me? Cool. I'm out. Okay, um, I see, I see. Yeah, like, like I, I see the end is coming, and I'm barely hanging on. I'll maybe be a healthy scratch. All right, I'll go to Quebec. I'll, I'll, I'll beat it. Because apparently he was in Quebec. Um, yeah, that's where he, yeah, where he lives and yeah. coaching his kids' teams. And I, it was bizarre, but I got that. But Lupul yeah. is still an effective NHLer when healthy. Jared Cowan, you know, back when he said he was all clear to go, is still an up-and-coming, uh, maybe not up-and-coming anymore, but a guy, you know, a, a bottom-end guy that can play he would in the be, league. He would be in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just right. don't get it. The Leafs are like, yeah. Just see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, I and I'd, so, I'd like to bizarre. I'd like to have a better answer, but I yeah. but the answer is I don't know. Right. Um, moving it's, it's bizarre. Moving on from that. Uh, hey, uh, what what games are you doing this week? Uh, where are you going to be? I'm in uh, I'm in Toronto on Tuesday for Carolina, yep. which is a real interesting team to me. Very young, very fast. Um, you know, stumbled out of the gate with a lot of road games, and then. You know, have got they've won four straight at home, and so they're going into Toronto playing pretty well. And I don't know this for a fact, but this has got to be cumulatively one of the youngest games mm-hmm. in the NHL in recent history. Like these are these teams are like they're they got a bunch of guys that should be in either junior or in their yeah. first year. You know, right, like right. they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds. They're going to be all over the map. Um, then I'm in uh, Boston and Ottawa on Thursday. Okay, so uh, before you do these games, and um, how much do you look at advanced stats? Uh, this is a, a, obviously a big battle going on in sort of uh, with mainstream media, hockey guys, and, and the advanced uh, stat guys that seem to be getting starting websites and then getting hired by NHL teams. That's something we should do, Ray. By the way, that seems to be an easy way to get hired by an NHL team. Start what, a, do math. We'll start an yeah, start an advanced stats. Study. Okay. Um, how much do you look at it? Uh, there's PDO, which is a team measurement, uh, even strength, save percentage, and shooting. I percentage. do like that. Um, Corsi shot attempts. Uh, there's mm. a there's a Fenwick, which is a, a shot attempts that are that are blocked that aren't blocked. I should say. Um, how much do you look at that stuff? Uh, how much do you weigh on it? I know you know I've done some of these with Mike Johnson, um, uh, ex of TSN and Sportsnet, uh, and he he loves them. He says it, it's a way of the future, and he, and he he looks at them pretty closely. What what where do you stand on it? Well, for for myself, um, I rarely um, uh, I rarely quote them during a game mm-hmm. um, because I think to quote them and to use the number you're still at the point where you have to explain what the hell you're talking about yeah. to the average fan. Now, mm-hmm. the analytics community won't agree with that, but the fact is it, there's a lot of people that you say PDO and they, could, they couldn't tell you what it means because it's not in the forefront of how 
how they think about or watch the game. Mm-hmm. Once they understand it, they go, oh, that makes pretty good sense. Their shooting percentage plus their goalie save percentage should equal around 100. Mm-hmm. And if it's 115, that means that pretty soon, over the course of a 82-game schedule, that's probably going to come back towards 100. Mm-hmm. The better teams, hey, they'll be above 100. The teams that are not so good, they're going to be at 94, and you're going to go, wow, that's, that's a difference. So where I use that stuff uh, in my prep is I can look at it, and I do, to see what's been going on with that team for the previous couple of weeks. And then, of course, you can easily find the, the season stats, the mm-hmm. season numbers. But it just helps me prepare to say, man, they've been giving up a lot of shots. They've, been, um, you know, they've scored 15 goals on their last 45 shots. Right. That's crazy. That's not going to keep happening. They're on a hot streak. Because games, there, there is, hot streaks are a thing. They happen. I know. I've been in them. Yeah. And I've also been in really cold streaks, too. <laughs> right. So they happen. And so these things help, help me prepare or just get a mindset about what the team's been, been doing. Now, the, uh, the, one of the interesting things about analytics to me is that teams won't tell you how they're using analytics. Right. Because each of them has a different way of viewing information and probably accumulating it. So Boston might not use what Montreal uses, which might not use what L.A. uses. Right? It's all, yeah. it's all in how you look at, look at the information and how you want to apply it to, to your team. I do like uh, also, too, something I look at from time to time, offensive zone starts and defensive zone starts. You can really see yep. a coach's uh, – methodology or thinking behind it like the Sedins are offensive uh they start in the offensive zone a ton and uh um you know you can see that Willie Desjardins just really thinks that that you know that's the that's his horses that's where he's going to go to and no matter what's going on he's throwing them over the boards at a stop at your play um but but you know that's been going on for years there's just been not a there's been no numbers right 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 like we would get a like with the Islanders we would get a face off in the offensive zone and, uh, you know, say our fourth line had just gotten on the ice and they had a quick rush and a shot. They've only been on the ice 10 seconds. There's a face-off in the uh-huh. offensive zone. And the coach would take them off and put Pierre Turgeon on. Yeah. And we had no number yeah. why that was happening, but we went, it was pretty easy to see. Gee, Al Arbor wants our best offensive player on the ice for a face-off by their net. We never called it offensive zone starts. It was just a face-off by their net. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. But now this stuff can be can be quantified for sure. Yeah. And if you have a guy that's a good face-off guy that never scores or doesn't score very often, you might want him out on your defensive zone face-offs because he can win the draw, you can get it out of the zone, you can get it out of trouble, and then you can burn some time till you can get your big boys back on the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, all right, let's get into – so you do look at him. You do look at them. Mm-hmm. You do study them a little bit, and yeah, it, it, I don't. It, I, there's nothing that can make me think that's the yeah the total way of the future. Yeah, yeah. There, they're just they're just there isn't because there's no analytic that can ever tell me about the intangibles that really do matter as part of the overall oh, evaluation. People are gonna get mad at you when you say that. 
<laughs> no, that's fine. I don't really care. No, I know. There is that, that because battle. If, right. if they're going to get mad, that means they can't accept somebody else's view, Yeah. which is why analytics people get pissed off all the time. Always. Because they try to ram this stuff down everybody's throat as it's the only way to evaluate a player. Yeah. And I don't think it is. I think there's lots of things. You can tell me somebody's got a great Corsi number. Well, how come when he goes into the corner to get a puck, he never gets it back? Yeah. How come he never gets it? Oh, well, maybe he's a little timid. Right. Maybe he doesn't like, maybe he's somebody that I got to take another look at to see, is he a guy that can compete in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. but so to discredit one or the other is nonsense. It's crazy to me. Yet that, some people feel they have to defend their position so vehemently. They can't even acknowledge that there's another one that might make sense. Yeah, there is the part of being in the room and knowing what's inside of some guy and knowing that he would die for uh, blocking a shot, getting a puck out of a corner or whatever, versus somebody with, you know, that you just said would bail out a little bit. There's a lot to yeah, that. And, yeah, but he might have a great number. Right, he might, right. His, the, you know, the term, the underlying numbers, his underlying numbers might be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he might not be a guy that you feel you can rely on. Right. Because... 82 games in the regular season, when you're meandering through the November to February stretch, players can do some terrific things in the course of this, that stretch of mm-hmm. time that might be against teams that aren't very good. And you get into a playoff series, and you're playing the same guy, the same team, over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you, those numbers change for some players. Right. I don't, I don't have them in front of me. Yeah. But I know, just I just know that they do. Um, all right, let's get to some reader emails to you, Ray, and uh, and we'll wrap this up. Paul Pocky podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, people. Review it as well. Reviews count. We were up to like number uh, seven or something, Ray, in Canada on on iTunes. Sweet, we'll be banging away week yeah. after week. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, uh, Navdeep sends this in. Ray, would you consider leaving TSN if a management role came up? Uh, example, an assistant GM or consultant for the Canucks. We could use your ability to think logically and long term. Um, so obviously, Navdeep is a is a Canucks fan, and I've I've talked to you about this off the air. Um, what about that? What if someone came to you? Um, I I've always wanted to be involved um, at a management level. Uh, they, you know, my course in life changed when I retired. I was divorced, and um, Cami and I got married, and I had young kids, and. I just didn't have the time to, or I didn't have the desire, even though it was strong, to dive right into that and be all consumed, which management people have to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I started in TV and have built, with the help of lots of great people, a, a career I'm really proud of and one that I really like. But if there was something to, to listen to, I, I would listen to it. I'm not actively searching it, mm-hmm. but I'm more interested than I've ever been in it. But not coach, or no? No, because I have no experience. Right, in it. right. I mean, I don't have any experience in management, but you can you can huh. get into a management structure and learn as you're going along. Sure. And have a pretty specific role to to take. You know, I've got friends that are coaches. Mm-hmm. To take that thought and think that I could just jump into coaching. There, there would be no way. So they're not, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, not now. I haven't, yeah. I haven't done it. Right. I'm 52 years old. By the, so say you do it. You started a, um, 
say you get an offer at an American or at an NHL assistance job, you yep. become an That'd assistant be coach thing, for a couple right. years. You yep. do a good job. Now you got to go to the AHL because um, you've got to, you know, if you want to be a head coach. So now you've got to be a head coach. Now that's probably three or four years. Now I'm 56, 57 years old, and I've moved my family twice. That, yeah. Then, then say you do a great job, and somebody wants to hire you. Now you've got to move again. You know, I, I just I can't do that. I can't. I, my priorities can't be that. If you get a GM's job, can we figure out a role that you can bring me on with? Uh, geez, that would be trainer. Um, trainer. That would be really low paying. Right. And um, and I would. No, I can't guarantee it. No. Okay. All right. Thanks. Not even into training program. No. Oh, I'd, I'd get you in a training program. All right. <laughs> all right. Question from uh, I like this question too from Justin. Um, every year, and more so with the NHL getting younger, there seems to be players too good for their major junior teams, but not quite NHL ready. And because of age restrictions in the AHL, teams have to choose whether to keep them up or send them back down to dominate junior level. Why do we need to keep this age restriction? Um, I agree. This is a dumb rule, um, and it, it bites guys every year. I don't know why they're on exemptions. I can only think, Ray, that the NHL and the CHL have a wink-wink deal that this guy sells tickets and helps our league, and you cannot put them in the AHL. I don't know. Well, what a, what a great deal for the NHL. They, don't, they get these players that become more and more ready. It's almost as good as the NFL's deal. <laughs> right. I mean, which is a, the greatest deal of all time, where – how about you develop these guys, we'll draft them, and then take them. Right. Right? Now, mm-hmm. the colleges, what do they get out of it? They get yeah. all kinds of revenue and don't play the players. Sure. Right? Like, that yeah. That works well, yep. too. Yeah, they're also happy. Um, right. Yeah, they're happy. Yeah. So, now, in, in Major Junior, the, the fact is that um, those, the 18- and 19-year-olds, the reason that they don't want them staying in the NHL is a couplefold. One is, of course, that... In most cases, in almost all cases, those are the stars of the junior leagues. And that helps that league become or to, to stay as strong as mm-hmm. it is. Number two is there would inevitably be players that would be taken at 18 or 19, mm-hmm. drafted, taken, brought to pro hockey, not play. They would just sit there. They would go to the American League, they would be overwhelmed, and they would sit there. And how is that good for anything? It's not good for junior. It's not good for the players. It's not mm-hmm. good for pro hockey either. Because I, I know, you know, there's this, there's this thought of, oh, all these young players are all ready to play. They're all great players. And they are. They're better at 18 and 19 than they've ever been. It's not even close. However, there would be way more that would slip through the cracks, in my opinion, and not quite be ready to play. And then you've got some coach whose livelihood's on the line, and he says, guess what, this 18- or 19-year-old, he's not, I can't use him. And so he's not going to play. He's just gonna, so the kid's going to practice. Big deal. He's not improving enough there. And I know, because you're such a Leaf fan, uh-huh. that everybody that watches Mitch Marner play is pretty gaga over how he looks. Unbelievable. Where did he play last year? Played in junior. Got eight How million points. points. Did he get? Yeah, he got eight million points, and, and he was a CHL right. player of the year. He was. The, he won the. And, uh, playoff and so that really game. hurt him, didn't it? No, it didn't, right? That's my point. <laughs> That's my point to the to the you know to to the people that would. This is the most recent example. He had 
almost three points a game in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. In the in the regular season, I don't even know how many points he had. It was crazy the number of points he was putting up. So, how has any of that hurt Mitch Marner? Because well, last year when he was in training camp, he looked like an eighteen-year-old player. He really did. He looked. Yep. He looked. I, I won't say. I, I'll say timid, but I don't mean that he was scared. He was just timid. He was unsure. He was eighteen. He went away for a year. He played. He he got more confident. He got more sure of himself. He probably got a little stronger too. And all of a sudden, you look at him and you go, because I was unsure if he could do it this year because I hadn't seen enough of him other than at the World Junior. And you're like, oh my God, that kid is amazing. He's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. And that year in junior, a dominating junior, didn't do him any harm at all. Max Domi also dominated when he went back. And, and just fine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised. I thought you'd go, I thought you'd be the other way. Like, uh, what is up with this rule? Yeah, let's change it. But you're, you're okay. I, with I it. think it works. Right. I think it protects the players um, in ways that they don't realize they're being mm-hmm. protected. Um, there's a number of young players that get hurt. Because they're, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins should have gone back to junior, for example, when yeah. he was drafted. He was slight. He toe picked, hit the boards, dislocated his shoulder, ruined his first year. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like he shouldn't. It sh- I mean, that could have happened in junior. Probably wouldn't have. Because he was that much more uh, a part of the top level of the game. Right. As opposed to just hanging on by his fingernails, which he was doing in his first year. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see an exemption for one guy, you know, because we're going to saw Marner in the AHL last year. But I mean, yeah, would you have seen him? Well, yeah, if he's good enough, he'd play. I no, mean, but would you have seen him? No, oh, no, no, I would not have. But no. that, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> what do they think is happening? What, like, what, what, right. why do they think this is going to be? Oh, we would have seen him play against you know better players in the American League, which you would have. Yeah, and it's a really hard year, for a real hard league to play in. So. What happens if Mitch Marner's zipping around, he goes along the boards as, as an 18-year-old, and some 29-year-old leans on him on the boards and he dislocates his shoulder? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, that, how, how is that? And it will happen. I, it might not have happened to Mitch. It, right. it would have happened because guys get hurt all the time. And if you're physically not able to withstand that, you're going to get hurt more, of course. Why would we even want to expose them to that? But the flip side is a guy like Willie Nylander, uh, who there are no rules, I believe, for the European players. He gets put right. in. He gets put in, and you know maybe develops his game. I don't. I mean, look, look right now. I think they're both pretty equal. So whatever path they took, it appears their game is um, pretty good. Uh, and and again, the the difference in the difference in rules is trying to appease everybody. You know, college guys have different rules than junior players. Uh, North American players yeah. have different rules than European players. It's all rather confusing. I don't know that I like the fact that, um, uh, that the, there are different rules. Like the one that right. I that I don't like particularly is a junior player gets drafted at eighteen, mm-hmm. and he has eighteen, nineteen. If he doesn't sign, he goes. You know, he goes back in the draft, and then he's he's an unrestricted free agent. The college player can go for four years. The team has his rights for four years in college. Yep. But at the end of, and they can sign him out of there at any time, yet at the end of four years, as we saw with Jimmy Vesey, you become a free agent. 
Like the, yeah, to that, me, that's, the, yeah. the rules yeah. should be more similar. Yeah. But they're I, not. I agree. All right, last question uh, for you before we uh, we talk about a friend of yours. Uh, from uh, Gunner, he's a Pens fan. What would you contribute Justin Schultz's improvements to his game defensively from, defensively from last year to this year? It seems he is seeing more ice time and playing a better all-around game. Now, I, I did the homework on this beforehand. Justin Schultz is only sixth on the team in, in ice time for defensemen, so doesn't appear to be getting more ice time. But And he's got four assists in 18 games. Um, what do you see from Justin Schultz? Is Gunner- well, they, asked, they asked Justin Schultz in Pittsburgh to do less than they wanted him to do in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked him to do less on a better team, and it's probably a better fit for him. So he's not playing against the top offensive players very often. You know, he gets shielded minutes. And that gets said like it's a negative. What it is is, is good coaching because you go, well, like Mike Sullivan looks and Jacques Martin, who runs a defense, and they look and go, well, he gets overrun playing against Alex Ovechkin, so why would we keep putting him out there against him? Let's put him out there against their third line. And, gee, we get better play from him. Justin Schultz can move the puck. He's not a great defender. He probably will never be a great defender, but he's gotten better because he's with better players in a more organized system. And if he were in Edmonton in a year, he would probably be the same thing, you know, where Edmonton is better, and they don't have to ask him to play 25 minutes a game. I think that is a, that's a huge bonus for a young player is that, you know, they all want to play lots. And, of course, we all think we're ready to play lots at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And then you get overrun a bit. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I, I can't <laughs> right. play against that guy. Then you get nervous and you back up and you give him more room. And, great, he's playing against Joe Thornton and he's giving Joe Thornton more room. Like, Joe needs that. Right, right. But he's not confident enough to get up and play him. And so that's, that's what I would say is the biggest, um, the biggest help for Schultz. He's got more experience. He's more mature. He's playing on a better team, and he's playing in better matchups. I, why he ever took – I think Anaheim was going after him. I think the Penguins were even going after him when he, when he, when he didn't sign and uh, why he took the Oiler offer. <laughs> well, because it was an opportunity to play right away. I guess, right? Yeah, he looked at Taylor Hall and these guys and said, yeah, I can yep. step in, right? Yeah. Um, and he had a – if you, if you remember, it's the first year he had was in the American League. Um, I think there was Oklahoma, there right? Was a lockout, yeah. and yeah. He, I think he was leading the league in scoring. Yeah, yep. You know, like when when the lockout ended and he came up, it was just like it was too easy for him. And then all of a sudden, it didn't get easy. Yeah, yeah. I like how people somehow think like like he's he's a bust or he, six most minutes. You know, he's terrible. That's that's great. That's fine. He's a serviceable top six guy, and he's young. In and the, in, yeah. in a Stanley Cup champion team. Yeah. In a very good, um, a very good spot for him to play in. It's with Phil, right? It's not so bad. <laughs> All right, uh, Paul Pocky podcast. Thanks for your questions, everybody. Info at paulpocky.com. Uh, sorry for the ones we didn't get to, uh, but uh, yeah, maybe try try asking better ones. Maybe um, Ray. Something that uh, I wanted to touch on too, and yourself as well. Uh, Craig Cunningham uh, plays for the Tucson uh, team in the AHL. 
and uh, uh, he collapsed uh, in warm-up uh, the other day, and um, we still don't quite know what's going on, but you have a personal connection to Craig. He played a few games in the NHL, and John Bucigras, uh tweeted out uh, from ESPN, he tweeted out a story he did on Craig a few years ago, and you're in it uh, yourself, and, and uh, your son Landon played a big part in Craig. He comes from your hometown in Trail, uh, British Columbia, and um, all of our thoughts are with him right now. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough time. It's um it's a brutal story. Um, you know, Craig collapsed in warm-up um, in, uh, on Saturday night and um, is really in a, a fight for his life. And um, the, cra- the crazy part about all this is, well, of the crazy things, is, um, you know, every year pro athletes go through extensive physicals in training camp. Um, there was obviously nothing to indicate that um, – that there was a problem where this might happen. Um, Craig's um, Craig's always been among the more fit people around. Like I, I've known Craig uh, since he's about twelve. Mm-hmm. I knew of him beforehand. Um, Craig's dad passed away in a car accident when he was five, and um, you know helped arrange to get him some gear uh, because he loved to play. His mom Heather was raising three boys. Didn't. You know, where was she going to get money for hockey stuff? And she's done an amazing job with these kids. And Craig is one of those guys that when he walks into the room, the room's better. It's more lively. It's funnier. It's louder. And if you, if you look uh, on Twitter at the number of people that have tweeted what a, mm-hmm. what a great guy Craig is, what you'll find is it's scattered from all the teams he's played on. And lots of guys play with lots of players on lots of teams but they don't have the impact that Craig has had on people. And so they're like our family, you know, we're like everybody else that knows Craig. We're devastated. Mm-hmm. And um, we just can't believe that this has happened and that he is, um, he's fighting for his life right now. And he's in a Tucson hospital. His family's there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, everybody's kind of waiting and hoping for some kind of news and, um, of course, everything's very tight-lipped and guarded, and uh, there's very little information flowing around. But he is a, an amazing, amazing kid. Uh, I have, I've not, I, I, and not because this is ill, uh, because he's ill right now. If if anybody had asked me over the past, and people that know me, um, when they ask me about Craig, um, you know, I couldn't. You can't help but glow about him. He he's honestly felt like one of our family. Uh, for a long time, and uh, there are a lot of people that you can ask, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, Craig's one of my best friends." Like he's got he's yeah. got that way about him. It's he's just an amazing kid, and we're praying and hoping. And whether you pray or whether you whatever you do, do it and keep Craig in your in your thoughts because he needs the help. And um, and like I said, we're devastated yeah. and just hoping hoping for for the very best here. Yeah, go to at Butchie Gross, uh, John Butchie Gross from ESPN. Great story. I had no idea. I had no idea. I read the story and uh, got my wife yeah, to Bob read it. McKenzie's gonna have a, Bob McKenzie's going to have one up on TSN later today, I think, um, which will be worth reading as well. I don't, you know, I talked to Bob a little bit this morning, but I don't, don't, don't know what it'll be, what the story will be. But I, right. um, if you're interested in the story, and I hope you are, um, 
please uh, please go ahead and give it a read. Yeah, well said. Uh, yeah, we're all uh, hoping for the best for sure. Sounds like a great guy and uh, and terrific. All right, Ray. Well, hey, thank you for uh, doing the Paul Pocky podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week on uh, on Monday again. And uh, remember, people, subscribe, download, get it on Stitcher, uh, PaulPocky.com, and all that. Um, all right, Ray. Um, thanks. Have a good week, man. Cool, Steve. Thanks. Uh, we'll, uh, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you again next Monday. Sounds good. See ya.